BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante. The New York Yankees are playing right now, and all it took to get them motivated for a 9-1 win last night was Brian Cashman saying, this is a disgrace, this is a disaster, I'm going to have to evaluate myself, I have to evaluate Aaron Boone, everything I did was wrong Time to look at me, put the microscope on my dumbass, and then all of a sudden, Aaron judged three home runs. Very interesting. Um, what do we learn from that game? We learned it's hard to kill a nine-game losing streak, uh, considering the final batter of the game of a nine-nothing contest was Dom Smith taking a three-two pitch out in the right field, hitting that pole and extending it one batter longer. We learned that, but guess what? The Yankees extinguished that losing streak. All they have on their docket in 2023, pending another 10-game losing streak, which could happen. There's another 36 or so games. Uh, but pending that, they're not going to be the first Yankees team since 1913 to get to 10 in a row. They're just going to end it at 9, which is interesting. And that gives us a little bit of runway until the end of the season to play the kids, hope the kids start getting hits instead of striking out, and give us some data we can use next year. Uh in the meantime, thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. You get the chance on your preferred podcast platform. Subscribe on YouTube if you haven't yet. The people are buzzing. People were waiting for this episode to start to hear us continue to trash the objectively poor New York Yankees. It's Thomas Carinante, it's, it's going to be fun down the stretch to stay engaged as well as keep people in because it is our job to keep people engaged, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, what do you want to do a 20 minute segment on Kyle Gashioka running for third on a grounder to short, like maybe a two minute segment, but I, I usually, if this were a month ago, I would be doing a whole, that would be a category that would have a, a ticker attached to it. And now it's just kind of like, yep. Same dumb thing as always, but you have an offer for the folks before we dive in all this. Absolutely. Yankees fans, what's going on? Thanks for coming into the chat today and watching us live. We appreciate it. Um, and because of that, we have an awesome sports betting promo for new Bet365 users. All you have to do is deposit $10, place a $1 wager on any sport. As a result, you will instantly receive $200 added to your account in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, doesn't matter. You can keep betting on the Yankees. If they lose, you win in this scenario. All you have to do is use the code YGY betting at sign up by using that code again, YGY betting, you will not only receive the $200 in bonus bets, but you will be directly supporting the podcast. What a concept. Yes. Pay us 
to keep you engaged. It's a fair trade-off. So if you haven't signed up yet for Bet365, please join with the code YGYBetting and place that first bet. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in most legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer. Um, yeah, Yankees lead 3-1 right now. Glaber Torres, two-run shot, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, more dumb shit. You have Anthony Volpier. You have Oswald Peraza getting picked off. Um, you have Kyle Higashioka. I mean, that's not Kyle Higashioka's fault. It's the Yankees' fault. They keep telling people to do that. That is not... Unless every base runner on this team is this bad at the sport, um, which I don't think is the case, um, I firmly believe the Yankees are just telling everybody to run whenever, and it doesn't matter, and that's why we keep seeing that happen. But yeah, an opportunity to get a run across at any point, completely flush down the toilet. Um, hopefully it doesn't come back to haunt them. I like a 3-1 lead right now um, with uh, with the series win on the line. Could could make for some good vibes. I don't know. Um, Brian Cashman's presser. Uh, I don't know if that lit a fire under this team. They're playing the Nationals. The Nationals are kind of cool upstart squad after all they've dealt with since winning the World Series. But Yankees should be doing this anyway. Um, nine and a half games out of the last wild card spot. Don't know how excited anybody could be for anything. But here we are. Um, I think we definitely do have to touch on this presser yesterday. Usually these are nothing. They are boring. They are lifeless. They are not informative. They deflect blame. They are devoid of accountability. I felt a little bit of a different vibe yesterday. I watched a good amount of it um, and then watched all of the clips afterward and all of the um, all of the discourse that followed. And uh, it could be a ruse, could be a little uh, could be a little strategy for them to quiet down all of the angry fans, um, which are is, is constantly going to snowball, especially with a very important offseason upcoming. But you never hear the Yankees, especially Cashman, be that candid with job security, with roster mistakes. Um, I think he reached the point where he knew he couldn't make any more excuses. Maybe Hal's forcing the hand there with having them wa- uh face the media during these uh, tough times. So I don't know. I got, I got a, I got a weird good vibe out of it, but we'll see what happens because you can never trust anything until actions are put into place. I'd agree. But it, so did we know this was coming? It didn't feel like it. No. Right? Yeah. Um, so Cashman's doing this post-mortem that he usually does at the end of a season. We're used to this on October 24th or whatever, when they flamed out of the playoffs and he assesses the previous season. And he basically says, you know, if you would have told me that we would have lost the players, we lose to injury every year to injury this year, I would have said you're crazy. But unfortunately, you know, breaks the game and it's always just a spoiler plate boring thing and and i uh i mean i obviously didn't expect to hear from him yesterday because it was pretty ahead of schedule but once i did learn that he was about to talk you assume you're going to hear the same boilerplate stuff because yep. his job is secure uh which has been made pretty clear by bob clappish's reporting and and, and yeah. the, the conventional wisdom is how Steinbrenner is going to have to evaluate some stuff but he's not going to have to evaluate this which is a bummer every time you hear it but still yesterday maybe it's just lip service maybe it's not but brian cashman does say a lot of things are going to have to get evaluated this offseason. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean a firing. We know that. Don't get your hopes up. But if the process has to be evaluated and changed, that's something. Um, yeah. I, I think Brian Cashman should be gone. I think his voice has grown stale. And I think the 2021, 2022, and 2023 trade deadlines are all individually fireable. 
And when you build them all up against each other, even someone with as much cachet as Brian Cashman has probably got to go after three in a row, plus a bunch of offseason nonsense. Um, so I'm not going to get swayed and say, okay, Cashman, he's, he's won me back. Now I, I get it. Let's give him another chance. I just know he's going to get that other chance anyway. So if yeah. he's acknowledging that he and Hal Steinbrenner are going to have to evaluate the methods, then that's at least something. And most importantly, I think many of us have taken for granted maybe over the last week or so, maybe two or three, that at the end of this, Aaron Boone, with just one year left on his contract, probably isn't coming back. But Cashman calls this surprise press conference, calls the season a disaster and you start to assume the next sentence is going to be Aaron and I are going to figure this out or something like that. Rest assured, Aaron and I are going to get back in the war room. We're going to get these guys in line. And he does not do that at all. He says, in fact, the opposite. He says, Aaron, uh, you know, he's trying everything. He's pulling all the levers he has. He had a team meeting after the Friday night loss to the Red Sox. And obviously that didn't work. So we're all going to have to sit together and evaluate or whatever. Um a bunch of word salad, but the uh, objective, you know, implication there is that Boone is trying a lot of stuff and it's not working. So no defensive Boone, just a bunch of statements saying, yeah, he's making every effort, but it's not going well, which would indicate that if we're evaluating everybody, we, we could maybe get to a place where we decide that the guy with one year left on his deal, who's trying everything only for it to not work, is maybe not going to be the leader of this team next year. Yeah, I kind of got that vibe too. He did mention, you know, we're all kind of trying our best and he dove into how um, they have a mess on their hands with the roster. Um, he said shit happens at one point, which yeah, I guess... Well, that was cool, which again, you're the yeah. guy who's supposed to make the other yeah. shit happen. But. Which I guess you... Yeah, that could be an assessment after all of the questionable roster moves were made. Yeah, like shit started to happen after a lot of odd decisions were made because that was kind of the natural progression of it. Um, but yeah, he, he, he went as far to say that he felt everybody would be evaluated in the off season. Um, and that Hal Steinbrenner had asked for answers in regard to the process with which that they're building the roster, um, and the player development and whatnot. Um, the, the last we heard prior to this was those three met Steinbrenner, Cashman and Boone. And they talked about, next steps i mean three weeks too late in most yeah. of our opinions here calling um, up the kids for the yeah. all-important national series and not the red sox yeah. series cool yeah great yeah really weird way to kind of go about it um and that it, again not really a ground that's not anything groundbreaking from a procedural standpoint calling up prospects is what every team does it's what every team needs to do it's if you want to keep a pipeline alive if you want to be able to balance your payroll properly um if you want to get uh the talent while they're hot integrated with the mlb roster at an opportune time like every other team makes these decisions and they make them pretty quickly and they you know you look at a team like the dodgers they literally use this year to integrate all this young talent to see what they had while mixing it with some of the best you know, upper echelon talent in the league. Um, the Rays do it all the time. They waste no, they wait, they, they don't waste a second in promoting somebody that they think they can contribute. Um, so I don't know why the Yankees think like that was something that would appease the fan base. I mean, it did for a second. It was good that it finally happened, but 
it was at least a series too late. Some would argue that they should have overlooked the service time uh, deadline and just said, fuck it, we'll give them rookie status this year because what are you doing at that point? You're looking ahead to 2028, 2029. No, you need to win right now. Nine and a half games out of a wild card spot. Um, it was as big as 10 last night before the Mariners lost uh, or 10 and a half before the Mariners lost. Um, so yeah, the, the, the decision-making hasn't been, um, urgent enough. Um, this press conference to me came a little bit too late. It came at the point where there, the Cashman was admittedly a little bit defeated in this, in my opinion. Um, you could tell that he was at a loss. Um, he, I, I thought he was articulating things fairly, fairly decently, probably better than he usually does. But, um, some of the questions he's just sitting there and he's like, I don't know. A lot of bad stuff happened. We didn't foresee this. I think we would all agree with him that, yeah, we didn't think that this team was not a playoff contender heading it out of spring trading. Um, we definitely thought that it had far too, the roster had far too many holes for it to be a bona fide, unquestionable world series contender, but nobody saw this team five games under 500 on August 23rd. objectively crazy and i would i would agree with him that probably most in the organization didn't see that either but at the same time a lot of us have been kind of complaining about the voids and the shortcomings on this roster and how they would eventually come back to bite us came back to bite us relatively quickly and now they're in a position at this point where the playoffs are unrealistic and under 500 record is still very much on the table depending on how they're able to perform in the final month of the season um and I think that with those bad vibes at this juncture, bringing up these prospects, yeah, should have happened. But also, like, are you putting them in a, in the best, like, clubhouse vibey situation to kind of succeed? I, I don't know. At the same time, the hand, the, the, their, you know, their, their hands are tied behind their back. They don't really have that much of an option. That's why I would have liked to see them earlier in the month when they realized that the trade deadline, they figured there's no moves out there for us to make. We're in it to win it with these guys. Let's bring up the young players. We'll see if they kind of reinvigorate um, the, the chemistry here, um, and they'll be, be at least be in a better situation than you know what were they five and thirteen or five and fourteen out of the break or uh, out of the out of the deadline when Cashman was adamant that everything would be okay. So I don't know. It, it's going to take time for this to kind of uh, materialize, but it, it's it's difficult to have that press conference at this juncture, even with as honest as as he was. Yeah, you'd love to see some sort of competitive environment for these kids to be in rather than whatever they're in right now, playing out the string where all that's ahead of the Yankees is not finishing below 500. Yep. Like they're not going to make, everyone knows they're not going to make the playoffs. Brian Cashman held a press conference because they're not going to make the playoffs. The only thing left is positive trends. And Pereira and Peraza have a bunch of people around them in the locker room who are basically checked out. Yeah. I mean, they want to, they want to play. They want to win, but there's no greater unifying purpose. Anthony Rizzo might show up in the final couple of weeks. Like they're they're gonna do whatever dictates it. Like if Rizzo feels well enough to play, they'll probably try to get his feet under him. Why not? Who you know the season is over. You're just trying to avoid disaster. Uh, but this might be the worst the locker room ever is. Hopefully, like you, you hope next year you come back with renewed vigor and you intend yeah. to compete. Um, you don't want to start April feeling like, all right, another lost season. We'll make our way to 2025. I don't know what next year is going to look like, but hopefully the intention is not for it to feel this way. I just think it's funny that 
at the deadline, Brian Cashman's in it to win it, right? After not making any move at the trade deadline, he, he says this team is in it to win it. And everyone around the team is going, no, they're not. Why, why would they be? They weren't before and now they're still not. Uh, you know, Boone saying it's right in front of us becomes a parody. Jake wears the shirt to the Boone interview. Judge says it. We start to get scared. Like everything is, you know, it's this relentless toxic positivity. You don't need to come out and say season's over. We're just going to try to see if we can salvage anything. But you don't need to keep saying all we need to do is rip off a 12 game winning streak when we lose every day and then we'll be good. Like fans don't want to be lied to. They've been lied to way too often by this team regard to personnel moves, regard to mentality, everything. So all you want to do is to be leveled with, not lied to. And not coincidental to me that Brian Cashman yesterday finally says this is a disaster. Okay, we we did not see this coming. We're getting hit with this from all angles. This season has gotten away from us. And now we have to evaluate everyone's performance. No one is fully safe. No, everyone's life might change somewhat. Then they go out, judge it's three homers, and the whole team responds with a complete 9-1 win. Maybe they don't like being lied to either. Maybe they don't like spreading platitudes like this. Maybe they don't like pretending nothing is wrong when something clearly is. They're the ones in the locker room. They know yeah. it. Like, we'll eventually, I'm sure, get reports of toxic clubhouse after the season ends, but they're living it right now. Mm-hmm. So to be there in, in this very not fun environment where people are getting hurt every day, Anthony Rizzo is playing through a concussion. The team is battling it out not to have the first 10-game losing streak in 100-plus years, and they still have to get up in front of the media every day and say it's going to turn around. We know it. We feel it. Like, come on. That, that's got to be weighing on them way worse um, than anything that Brian Cashman said yesterday. And and I think they're not going to – they're not on the verge of a turnaround. They're not going to make a playoff run. But the fact that the day Cashman finally says, yeah, you know what? This is a disaster. Didn't see it coming. Taking the L on this one. Built a team that was supremely bad and got kicked in the teeth. They finally respond with just a, a, a when you think of this Yankee season, you're gonna think of last night. You're yeah. gonna think of Judge's first career three or home run game. Like it doesn't matter, it's meaningless, it doesn't matter, but it's it's a when you're trying to remember anything from this regular season, if you ever are, that's gonna be one of the five games. You remember Severino throwing almost seven innings of shutout ball, one hit. Gets another ovation coming off the mound in Yankee Stadium, probably his last one, but you maybe thought his last one had already happened months ago. Yeah. He gets another one. That's nice. Like that's a heartwarming moment. And they don't, I don't, I wonder if they get any of these moments, these indelible, you know, regular season performances. If Cashman does not come out and basically say, all right, finally, here's what you guys have been waiting for. This did not go well. I built a loser. Now can we move on? Yeah, it was, I, I'm sure it was validating and, and it was a little bit of a weight lifted off everybody's back. Um, at the same time, while it was certainly validating for fans to hear this, it's also like you, they still can never make you fully happy because in admitting this, they're also admitting that we lied this entire time too, Yeah, of course. We, which is, which is just as, you know, it, it's, it's equally as frustrating as it is, um, as it is satisfying. And that's, you know, that's the Yankee way over the last few years, there's never, um, there's never, uh, there's never a move or a transaction or words that are said without something else kind of canceling it out. Um, so I hope it played some sort of role in the players kind of being done with this charade in pretending they're something they're not or pretending the roster is something that it isn't. 
because they know, like you said, they know better than anybody. We we can only assess what we see. They are in it. You know, I, I know Boone has said it a million times, and we kind of laugh at it. And he's like, you know, this is kind of our reality, and this sucks. And we do sympathize with that. But like at some point, you have to act like it's the reality instead of just being like, oh, this is the reality. Like you said it on. He said it on Talking Eggs. He's like, well, you know, this is we're living it. So we know the frustration. It's like, do you, though? Because it seems like everybody else is more mad than you are. Yeah. So are you not allowed to be mad or are you choosing not to be mad? Like, what is it? So now that the GM, the guy who called the shots, the guy who built this roster, revealed all of this has been nothing short of a complete disappointment, maybe being honest with ourselves and the team being able to be honest with themselves will provide some sort of looseness in the clubhouse or in the dugout, which is something that we've speculated was an issue. Team plays very tense. Team's unable to shake off the high-profile, high-pressure, spotlight-filled moments that you know need somebody to deliver. Um, they kind of can't handle the bad press well, uh, which kind of comes with the territory in New York. So honesty. It's key to every relationship, fans, players, important relationship, organization, fans, important relationship. Like, I don't think I, I think in in New York, if you admit that you kind of fucked up, like, I think more people give you credit for that than than, you know, you trying to beat around the bush and pretend like something is completely different from the reality that everybody is witnessing. So at the very least, step forward. We know that a lot of work needs to be done. The That was the other thing that I liked about this there was acknowledgement that a lot of work needs to be done in the offseason. And I think that we were nervous because we thought that they weren't going to do a lot of work in the offseason because they yeah. did a lot of work this past offseason or so they thought. Um, we figured some prospects would be able to fill some holes, and I still think that's a reality. But you have a depth issue. You have a back end of the rotation issue. Um, you're going to have a bunch of bullpen issues. Rotations um, and shambles, like yeah. underrated the rotation is in shambles because yeah. Nestor can't rule, can't pencil him into anything next year. No, nope. uh, that, uh, you know, you, you got to hope so. But he's right now, he's your burrito Randy Vasquez, like he's depth. If he's healthy, he's healthy. But come on, you know, rotator cuff is, is a scary possibility. Yeah. You know, you, you just don't know. If it's surgery, he may never be the same. If it's yeah. not, it's obviously going to take a lot of rehab and. The fact that he rehabbed this year, made one start, and then went right back on the aisle with the same issue, can't count on him. Brito, Vasquez, Vasquez more so, intriguing pieces, but they're depth next year too. They're not in the rotation. No. Rodon, got to insure against that. Garrett Cole, I hope he's healthy and ready to go for opening day, but he's the one sure thing. That's not enough. I mean no. – Every not. pitcher needs to be insured. He's not he's not a sure thing. He just happens to be the ace right now. Pitchers, it's a scary proposition. Luis Severino not coming back, despite the fact that last night was fun. That's the end of the road for him. So you need to do a lot of work on the mound. You need to do a, some interesting maneuvering in the lineup, add depth, bring in upside plays, etc. Next year might not be the year, but you can't surrender to that fact before it even starts. Uh, DJ LeMahieu actually silently, secretly has a 287 average in his last 101 ABs, 395 OBP, 396 slugging. He's been an above average regular for a, a good portion of the second half when he's played, but he had a calf injury and a horrible first half on top of all of that. So encouraging to know he can still do it. Don't know if he will next year. He's 35. 
but that the fact that that's the best piece of news we have about these failing veterans is that LeMahieu put together a hundred good at bats. Rizzo complete question mark. Giancarlo Stanton proving every day that he is maybe done as an, an everyday major leaguer. Like he he's the number one problem with this yeah. line moving forward. And I don't think he can even argue that um, he, for some reason, bats clean up every day. I have no idea why he does that. Nope. Um, if it, the number one thing they're going to have to take care of whenever they decide to evaluate this off season is what the hell are we supposed to do with this anchor at DH who's in the outfield sometimes also hilarious that usually Stanton would get hurt in the middle of a hot streak and leave the team high and dry for two months. And now in the middle of this extended cold streak, that may be the death knell of his career as a star player. He's on the field every day. He plays yeah. every day. Really? Uh, so probably, I don't know if you're allowed to legally say this, but the solution to the Stanton problem is just you play him every day in the outfield. Maybe you move him down in the order. He inevitably gets hurt. You slide the person who always intended to start anyway in yeah. the lineup and you move on. Um, but yes, what we good point, what we did not hear yesterday was the stuff that we've heard so many times, the stuff that fans can write in their sleep. The hey, who saw this coming from LeMayhew and Stan and Rizzo? Not us. And, and hey, we know those guys are better. We've seen the backs of their baseball cards. And we just need to get those guys back into the form they've been in before next yep. year. And it's like, Okay, well, they all aged five years in one year overnight, so that's not a solution. And we didn't hear that solution to everybody's credit. Now, it's about action. They got to actually change it in the offseason. They got to double and triple down on this let's make changes strategy. But they did not sell us a bill of goods. It's basically like, hey, this is a great lineup. You saw what they did in the first half of 2022. They will get there again. Just believe we didn't get fed that same thing. Yeah, which was... I guess, I guess encouraging, long overdue, and um, hopefully it's hopefully we're turning the corner. We're still grinding. Um, I like I like yeah. the Pereira promotion. Um, I don't like how we're making a big deal out of Peraza. I understand that this is this is an infusion of youth, um, but Peraza's already been here. Peraza's already conquered AAA. Peraza shouldn't have been in the minor leagues. They should have been able to find some space for him. Uh, at the start of this season, whether his performance at the beginning of the year was suitable or not. Um, I thought he did enough to kind of prove himself at the end of last year. Uh, not that I thought that Anthony Volpe shouldn't have won the uh, starting short shop, shortstop job out of spring training, but uh, Peraz is flexible on the infield. We saw him make a nice play at third base the other night. Um, probably could have been a good alternative to Josh Donaldson earlier on in the season. Probably. Um, probably could have been able to uh, spell DJ LeMahieu when he was dealing with his his ailments. Um, probably good to shift labor tours to the DH every once in a while and put the kids in the middle infield just to see what you got. Um, Yankees kind of decided against that on a larger sample size, but Peraz is here, Pereira's here. Um, not exactly lightning bolts on offense just yet, but I think a refreshing... Um, uh, performance on the defensive end, which is encouraging because this team is still laughably bad at defense. They made an error in four straight games. They didn't make one last night. Then they made one today. Um, so that's great. It's it, it's the same old stuff, the bad base running, the bad defense. Um, so I don't know what we're going to get out of this. All I hope for is that it shows the Yankees that they have something, whether it's a piece for 2024, trade candidate for the offseason, 
um, depth. I'm not against the top prospect just being a really good depth piece. I know you might want more out of that, but sometimes that's not the reality. Not every top prospect is going to hit, be an everyday player for you. But um, at the very least, uh, hopefully we have a starting left fielder for next year and somebody who can rove around the infield um, who is very athletic and can kind of keep DJ LeMayu off his feet a little bit if he still remains with the team and can, and can uh, give Glaber Torres some DH days as well. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc the promo is on bet365 today again a reminder for everybody joining us midstream the promo code is ygy betting one dollar in any sport two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed the full terms are either bet365.com or in the description of this episode below that code's YGY betting going to be on the screen the whole show. And if you use it, you are supporting the show, us, the podcast, not the New York Yankees. I don't, have you seen uh, telemarketers on HBO Max yet? No. Uh, it's First of all, it's great. Everybody, you should watch it. It's full of a bunch of Jersey dudes running a oh, telemarketing yeah. cam. But uh, they famously say, like, it, it's that, you know, when you get that call from the fraternal order of the police and they're mm-hmm. like, you support our fallen officers and you're kind of like, Man, am I like a real piece of shit if I don't really want to support our fallen officers? It turns out that usually that call is just coming from a for-profit scheme mm. where the police get 10% of your donation and then occasionally maybe don't even get any of it and are just working with the scheme. Like the scheme people pay the cops a lump sum and then the cops don't get another dollar and a bunch of people are funding the scheme. Either way. This money goes to us, yeah. not the Yankees. We are not the fraternal order of the police. We are the ones who are bringing you the content. Uh, although the Yankees technically are bringing us the content by being uh, deeply confusing. And then we analyze it, bring it back to you. Uh, so theoretically, I guess it's a pyramid scheme. But hey, either way, YGY betting is the code. Everson Pereira and Oswald Peraza, say what you will about the Yankees. They, they did this wrong for a number of weeks. They're doing it right now, right? Yeah. They're both up. They're both playing every single day. Would I be happier if Pereira had a major league hit to his name at this point? Obviously, I would in his third game. Uh, got an RBI yesterday on a grounder. It probably should have been handled at the plate, but the Nationals mm-hmm. are doing the Yankees a favor. Uh, Peraza, you're right, made a sparkling defensive play. These guys have every opportunity to make themselves somewhat essential for next year over the next month and a week. They're going to play a lot. Uh, they they told us they would. They weren't kidding. They've started all three games of this Nat series. Clearly, they're going to get a chance to be impactful down the stretch. Just because they're getting a chance to show off the fact that they're impact players on both sides of the ball does not mean that the Yankees can tell you that they've solved depth issues or that they found their starting left fielder. Unless Pereira goes absolutely nuts over the next month. Yeah. 
And even if he does, Oswaldo Cabrera last year went pretty nuts during the second half of the season and started playoff games and hit a crucial home run in that game in Cleveland. And when the Yankees offense went in the toilet against Houston, it was partially because he just stopped hitting. We all assumed he'd start hitting again this year. He never did. So if Pereira tears the cover off the ball and you end the season thinking he should be the Yankees starting left fielder next year, that's great. They should still get a winning veteran on top of Everson Pereira so that there are more faces in the mix. Harrison Bader probably not going to be here next year. Judge is going to need some DH reps. Stanton will play. Then he'll probably get hurt. Crucially, you can't get fooled by whatever Pereira does, whether it's strong or poor, because then you are one injury away from Pereira in center, Billy McKinney in left, or insert 2024 Billy McKinney in left. You need a stronger bench. Maybe Pereira is part of that bench. Maybe it's a veteran who's on a one-year flyer deal. Either way, it's got to be somebody who's a bona fide major leaguer who can step in when necessary. I'd love to see Pereira grab the job and run with it, but they can't use that as the Oswaldo Cabrera excuse, at least though this time, if Pereira enters spring training as the favorite. He is an outfielder, and Cabrera was not, so that's a a benefit. Yeah, I agree, and you're going to have this turnover in the outfield anyway, So, and you need a lefty bat. Pereira's not a lefty. No. Great if he was. How This is bothering me so much that I wrote about it this week. Look, it is what it is, but how uh, are the Red Sox the team that has gathered uh, this pipeline of lefty bats? Yoshida, obviously, you know, they they signed this offseason. But everybody they call up is a power yeah. left. Willier Bray, who just hit a home run uh, in Houston. He's looked great in three games. And Manuel Valdez, power hitting lefty, who they got in the Christian Vasquez trade. Devers, of course. Jaron Duran. Like, just this Tristan Casas. This never-ending pipeline of lefties. Fenway Park is for righties. The green monster for decades has been just peppered by powerful righties who just, you need to get under one and it goes over that stupid little fence. And if you don't get under it enough, you just hit a hot shot liner. It goes off the big wall and the right field at Fenway is weird. It goes deep in the bullpen or you can curl it around the pole short or whatever. Right field at Yankee stadium is built for lefties. Left field at Fenway is built for righties. Somehow the Red Sox have managed to accidentally or intentionally build a Yankee stadium lineup. Mm. Yankees, Calling up all these dudes who are right, like Pereira, great righty. Oswald Peraza, fantastic righty. Volpe, righty. Like, I love all the players. I just, it's unbelievable how the Red Sox have either stumbled into this or designed it for the wrong ballpark. And the Yankees also ignoring decades of history. Um, you know, talent comes first, then we worry about handedness. I get that, but it is ironic that Boston has this lineup that would look incredible at Yankee Stadium. They just swept you at Yankee Stadium, not only because of that, but certainly was a factor uh and the yankees yeah don't have that have a fenway lineup cool maybe they built it just to beat us at yankee stadium it's gonna i mean it's gonna work so (laughs) whatever yeah i don't know how they i mean look lefties are valuable regardless most starting pitchers in major league baseball are righty so if you have an advantage the the goal is to hit the ball um not to just figure out where the shortest area of the ballpark is and capitalize on that just so happens to be um, a double whammy for the Yankees because you need more lefties inherently because of the of the pitching mismatches, and you happen to have the short porch, which would theoretically benefit them. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, the 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 balancing of that in the lineup um, 
seems to be the easiest way to combat any sort of um, position player issues or um, lineup flexibility issues. And um, like you wrote very, uh, very intelligently, the trades for like Gallo and Rizzo weren't to fortify that balance. They were to create a balance that never existed. Yeah. It's like, Oh shit. Oh my God. Okay. Like this 500 team has no balance. So let's like pay through the nose to bring in some powerful lefties. Yeah. A lot of people thought Gallo was going to be a a good, smart addition. But again, he's like, oh, yeah, oh, bow down. Like, we finally have a power-hitting lefty in the lineup. It didn't work. But he was was playing off no one. It was just like, oh, phew. All right, we figured it out. No, you didn't. Nope. So, yeah, it's it's particularly disturbing. The Red Sox have a lot of good left-handed hitters. Like, even Verdugo is, I think, a good hitter. Frustrating that that's the case. But, like... You, you, we didn't mention him, and then you add that you add in Yoshida, who probably should have been a Yankees target. I know we did laugh about that initially because a lot of the scouts were saying, "Why did they sign this guy to all this money?" Seems like an overpay. They also just let Xander Bogarts walk. Ended up being a good decision. Jaron Duran turned it up this year. Looks really good. Casas, same type deal. His power is pretty imposing. Um, so. Yeah, it'd be great if we could have a semblance of that, and that will be part of what we have to determine in the offseason. But hopefully, maybe at that point, Wells is here. Um, Cashman was asked about Jason Dominguez yesterday. He got Dominguez got the bump to AAA as Pereira and Peraza got the promotion to MLB. Had a weird, had some weird analysis from MLB.com's Jim Callis on uh, Dominguez's kind of future with the organization. Um, but I guess at this point, now that he's at AAA, depending on how the next month or so goes, all-star break next year, he's on the major league roster, has another crazy spring training this year. Who's going to rule him out for the opening day? You know, kind of like what Volpe did. Volpe was at AAA for a month. He completely destroyed spring training. Next year, there's a void in center field. Dominguez kind of makes it his position. I don't know. I'm not ruling that out. I don't think that that's crazy at this point. They need good players. They need to be aggressive with the talent they completely trust. Um, and I don't think like, I don't know. Do you think Cody Bellinger is the answer in the offseason for center field? Like I wouldn't be against it, but like that's going to be a lot of money. And then you're going to figure out a way to make that an excuse to not do something else. So I think you heavily monitor what Dominguez is doing. He started off triple a fucking blowing the doors off just like Pereira did. Um, Austin Wells is swinging a great bat right now. That gives you two more lefties. Now you're cooking. Austin Wells is, is coming up this year, by yeah. the way, like, uh, the Greg Allen DFA basically insured it. That did not have to happen. Uh, they, they did put McKinney on the IL smart. They played McKinney against the Red Sox with a back injury. Stupid as hell, but they use that to their advantage. They call up Pereira and Peraza and all they had to do was demote Cabrera and put McKinney on the IL, and they did not do that. They mm. DFA'd Greg Allen, basically saying, we're going to have to DFA him at some point for Austin Wells, so we might as well do it now. The Wells promotion isn't quite as much of a slam dunk. He's not going to start every day when he gets up here. No. They want him to get as many AAA reps as he can. When rosters expand on September 1st, they're almost definitely going to call up Wells, add him to the 40-man and give him an extra roster spot, yeah. almost definitely, because they would have had to get him on the 40-man, so they would have had the DFA Allen in 10 days. They decided, eh, season's lost. We don't need 
Greg Allen depth for the next 10 days. So we might as well do it now. Um, I would say that a Wells, there's no reason to be discouraged by the fact that we never need the Greg Allen depth. No fucking use him. No, he never got used. Um, and IKF hasn't played in like several days now at this point. Um, cool. Uh, but yeah, they, they obviously, you know, no, no need for Greg Allen to chill on the bench from August 22nd to September 1st. So they said, no, they'll bring up Wells when that date hits. If they don't, I'll be shocked. He's been good to start his AAA career. Dominguez, uh, yeah, I mean, again, the last time you you probably looked at the Dominguez slash line was in the middle of June when it was pretty abysmal and he was hanging out right up around 200, flirting with falling below it. The OPS was in the 600s. You were feeling like this was a disaster season for him. And after a hot July and a scorching August, he's now all the way up to, I mean, this is, these are star numbers, 15 homers, 69 RBI, 37 steals, 256, 369, OBP, 785 OPS. There was a time this year when the OBP was high and nothing else was, and it felt like the K rate was through the roof. He was walking a ton at AA. No one was giving him anything to hit. He couldn't get in rhythm when they were giving him stuff to hit. He wasn't really honing anything. He was just walking, striking out, and very occasionally running into one. Now this line looks pretty much in line with what he did last year. 273, 375, 461 last year, 256, 369, 416, slugging obviously down quite a bit this year. His OPS last year was 836. Mm-hmm. Everybody's Dominguez take is just warped. Like yeah. if I asked people what his OPS was last year, I doubt anybody would say it was basically 840. They probably would have said, I don't know, like 730, 740. Like I heard he sucks. Like, no, it's it's right up there with like have you when's the last time you looked at the Yankees lineup? How many, how many 800 OBPs in there or OPS is in there? Not many. Nope. Uh, you go down the Red Sox lineup. There's like a million. Obviously I've done that a ton lately, <laughs> but uh, Dominguez's numbers last year, very, very good across three levels. Most people yeah. didn't really notice or care because he was moving back from the top 20 in prospect list to the top 60 to 70 or so. He has the ability to put up a great September, August, three-week stretch at AAA and put himself in the mix for opening day next year. No matter what Jim Callis says, he says, no way, don't do that. Give him more time, et cetera. I don't think he has a chance to win the opening day job, but he's way closer than I anticipated. I didn't think he'd get the September AAA feet wedding at all. And he's going to get a couple weeks. And he had three hits in his AAA debut. So. Yeah, yeah the, the, I mean, the way that they played Volpe's um... – promotion situation and progression is is very similar to this remember dominguez is only 20 they didn't have to bump him to triple a i guess if they didn't feel like the move was imperative um or if they thought that he could potentially benefit from better competition which is kind of what we thought about in spring training we're like wow he's beating the shit out of major league fringe major league pitching and then he goes to double a and he starts the season batting like 190 you're like, oh, maybe this is like boring for him or it's not challenging enough or whatever. I don't know. Like, but at this point, it seems like maybe upping the stakes for somebody who's kind of lapping everybody his age talent wise might be beneficial. And the Yankees caught on to that. I don't know. I don't know. I think there is a chance he could get the opening day job, um, especially because, like we said, a lot of changes need to be made. Processes need to be revisited. You look across the league. A lot of other teams take chances with their top prospects. They expedite them. Um, they kind of throw caution to the wind when they are looking at linear development. Um, the Yankees are a little bit strict with linear development. They want to make sure that every step of the way is going as planned, and that's just not how life works. 
Just wondering if Brian Cashman lives in actual life or I don't know. Um, but uh, life, life, speaking of life, Shohei Otani, bad stuff. Let's move to life. Let's add stuff, man. This is bad for everybody's life. This sucks. Um, I weird enough. I woke up last night, three in the morning. Don't know why. Didn't go to sleep for another two hours. And I checked my phone three Oh three AM get a push notification from MLB saying Shohei Otani has a torn, partially torn UCL or fully. I don't remember what exactly. Yeah. I don't think they're telling us yet. They're not saying how torn it's It's torn. torn. He's going for a second opinion to see if he can avoid Tommy John underwent Tommy John in 2018. That kept him off the mound in 2019. He made 12 starts between his debut in 2018 through the 2020 season. Last two and a half years have been absolutely incredible MVP level play, setting the table for his historic contract offer, which is to come this offseason. Now, if he has to undergo a second Tommy John surgery, some analysts are saying that's not going to affect his market. I don't know how it doesn't. Yeah. If you're paying for ace level pitching and um premier left-handed bat, that's you know that you're taking if you're taking half of the equation out there, then you're just paying for a really good left-handed bat, which still has a ton of value, still will be a gigantic contract, but maybe not six hundred million, maybe he not five hundred million. He hates for the rest of his career yeah. too. Like if he's not going to pitch, do we move him to the outfield? Do we move him to first base? Can yeah. he handle a defensive position or? Are you truly just locking down the DH role for a decade with a 500 plus million dollar deal? Yeah. And that's tough. And I think be quick on this because I think it's fairly self-explanatory. I think this is really bad for the Yankees. I'm not, and I'm not saying that because I thought they were going after Otani. They a hundred percent were not, but now you had teams like who was lining up for him here. Dodgers. Number one, you had angels, you had Padres, especially if they, were considering trading Juan Soto if they didn't think he was going to sign an extension. You have the Mariners here. You got the Giants here. Um, I, Red Sox fans seem to think that it was a reality for them. New uh, Balance is headquartered in Boston, so sure. they think, yeah, he's going to... If there's anything I know about Shohei Otani, it's that he follows his shoe contracts to determine his next... He like, follows the corporate headquarters... <laughs> Yeah, so he can be popping by. I know he's very passionate about design work. So I know he intended, he actually told me that he intended to be at the corporate HQ like every couple of days, <laughs> spitballing on shoelaces and stuff. So that that was a potential landing spot for sure, but maybe not anymore. No, oh, good to know. Why is this bad for the Yankees, in my opinion? Because now all of these teams that, in theory, were going to try to cut to the front of the line, kill two birds with one stone to get an ace level pitcher and an a dominant left-handed hitter probably going to maybe shift. Yeah. NBA is different, Corey. I will tell you that. Um, they're probably going to shift and say, okay, maybe the Dodgers are sitting here. I'm like, great. Don't know. Look, a lot of these teams in reality, I don't think the contract offer goes down too much. I don't think his value is going to crater because he's going to bring in revenue streams that um, otherwise wouldn't exist. Him just being on the roster is going to make a team a lot of money. Merch, international market, just the fact that he might historically be the greatest player to ever step foot on a baseball field. That has marketing value in it. That's going to make teams money. That's really all organizations care about. But I think a good amount of these teams, at the very least, uh, probably half of them, in my opinion, I would go Mariners, Padres, Dodgers, were probably looking to pay for like the next three years. And if you don't have Otani pitching next year, 
And then you have him working his way back from surgery the year after to get back on the mound to get to back get to get back to where he was. And you're losing a lot of value on that deal, and you're not opening your championship window as great as it could have been with him fully healthy. So now I think some of these teams can pivot. I think maybe you have the Dodgers retain Julio Urias, or you have the Dodgers extra aggressive on the trade market for Corbin Burns if he's made available. And then that interrupts what the Yankees could do. I'm not saying those are two Yankees targets, but then you know, you look at lefty hitters, Cody Bellinger opting out of his Cubs deal, probably going to happen. Now that opens the door for maybe the Giants or the Mariners to pop in on the party. Um, there was a, who, who was another tradable uh, left-handed hitter that might've been available. Um, oh, Soto. Soto's another thing. The Padres might've thought, hey, swapping out Soto, bringing in Otani could help us A, replenish the farm and B, again, check two boxes. Now, there might be more teams in on a Soto deal with those other contenders that we're going to go after Otani. And who do you trust more to get a deal done? Once again, after all of you've watched, do you trust Andrew Friedman to get a deal done over Brian Cashman? Do you trust AJ Preller to get a jo- to get the job done over Brian Cashman? Do you trust Jerry Depoto? Farhan, I know the Giants haven't been exactly that great, but I probably trust Farhan Zaidi a little bit more than Brian Cashman in terms of being aggressive and making the right shrewd move. So now you have all those GMs coming back into the mix and they were initially kind of supposed to be distracted for a little while by Otani. Now they're now their attention might shift and they're going to interrupt the the you know the mid-tier or the other top-tier free agent market and the trade market in general and you know when that get all those things get convoluted the Yankees like to Homer uh, you know Homer Simpson their way into the bushes. I don't like I don't like how this is shaping out for them. No, uh, they were never going to sign Otani. Right. That's not the conversation. But certainly now the waters are mud. The waters are muddier. Uh, we've got a, a lot of people trying to figure out a lot of things who thought they had their target A number one locked down. Um, and beyond that, though, you know Ken Rosenthal can say believe in Otani. You know he defies the odds. He always has. Why wouldn't he now? Etc. If he needs surgery, he's not pitching next year anyway. Right. So he can defy all the odds he wants down the line, but you're still taking a year of pitching off his contract year and a half, probably because his rehab is not the same as the rehab of someone who doesn't also DH every day and hit 40 bombs. Uh, He's going to be a huge what if for the history of baseball, no matter what. But I will probably always counter that with we did see it. Right. We saw him at his peak. It's yeah. spectacular that we even got two seasons of this. Yep. We were never, I don't think you could really bank on him pitching and hitting 55 bombs a year for what, eight more years? Like, it, there's a reason no one's ever done this before. Yeah. The fact that he's done this this much is already unicorn level absurd. You know, the resume speaks for itself. Um, but Ken Rosenthal says, you know, don't bet against him. He's done the impossible. Why wouldn't he do it again? Great. Let's say he comes back and does pitch spectacularly again, you know, after two Tommy Johns, which is what Walker Bueller is trying to do, which is what Nathan Evaldi already did. It's possible, but you're losing next year. In that case, you're losing a half of the year after that. And he's later into his prime at that point. Yeah. So the contract isn't going to be the peak level contract it would have been. It, maybe you bake in a ton of incentives to get Otani to $500 million 
if he eventually reaches all these different peaks, but you're not going to guarantee him 500 million. Maybe no. you're guaranteeing him 350 or 400. Uh, I've heard sort of Aaron Judge's contract is the baseline because for offensive Otani, that in and of itself is worth nine, 360 or whatever. I get that. Aaron Judge plays defense, Otani doesn't. But sure, if you want to tell me nine, 360 is the baseline, I get it. But if we're no longer talking 550 guaranteed, 600 guaranteed, wouldn't some of these other teams be a little inclined to get in or at least toss the lines out and have the conversation? Yeah. Like back in the day, it felt like, all right, you know, maybe the Padres will be in, maybe the Giants will be in, but it's the Dodgers and Mets, right? And he doesn't want to come to the East Coast. So the Dodgers will just be paying their $600 million. They'll be thrilled, you know, to get the chance to do this. Now, if it's in in the let's get creative territory, like the Rays were interested at the deadline last year, right? Like how interested were they? Obviously, they didn't. Nothing happened. Nothing materialized. He never got traded. So who knows? But the Rays wanted to explore an Otani trade. The Rays wanted to explore a Freddie Freeman signing. Yeah. If we're getting into creativity territory. Maybe you welcome the Rays in. Maybe we stop laughing at the Red Sox. If we are getting creative and they're saying up and coming team competing for a wild card a year ahead of schedule. Yoshida's here. Like, maybe 250 baseline becomes more appealing. We start tacking incentives on the smarter manipulators to figure out a way to get this done. I don't think Otani considers say the Milwaukee Brewers or the Chicago Cubs or, or any of these teams in the Midwest. Probably not. Maybe the angels are welcomed back in here. Yeah. Needs a comfortable place to rehab. Where mm-hmm. has he been for the entirety of his major league career? Right. A lot of variables in here, and I, I think your point is extremely valid. A lot more teams that could have been distracted by the high-dollar Otani pursuit might look elsewhere. But I also think a lot of the teams that maybe ruled themselves out of a $600 million chase are willing to get into a $300 million chase. And yeah. so the Yankees have to watch out for that too. I don't think the Yankees are in that bucket, but I think some of their rivals are. It is now interesting to wonder. Now I'm th- I didn't even consider that because um... – I even thought, you know, maybe these lower or these mid-market teams who have been gun-shy about um, dropping all that money would still view maybe a $350 million investment a lot with the uncertainty. Yeah, but you're right. But if you're looking at if you're looking at a $350 million investment that it doesn't bake you into guaranteeing $550 million and that if you get the incentives in there and you can get the player to reach the certain benchmarks that would make it worthwhile in your opinion, then yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Yankees now kind of shift course, but that would kind of be crazy because incomplete roster, a lot of other work to do, not getting Otani at his peak powers. You know, theoretically you were paying all of this money to get his age 29, his age 30, his age 31 and 32 seasons. Now you're going to get theoretically no age 29 a half effort age 30 and then hopefully back for age 31. Um, And then you're talking, you know, hopefully you have age 31, age 32, age 33 seasons that are really good. And then the decline starts to happen with as everybody. um, And the Yankees already have a lot of those kind of contracts on the books right now. So um, although it is nice, it doesn't seem like judge or Garrett Cole are going to slow down, slow down anytime soon, but we just saw, John Carlos Stanton, DJ LeMayhew, Josh Donaldson all hit brick walls um, in fairly disturbing fashion. So I don't know 
Um, if the Yankees, I feel like if the Yankees are going for that kind of investment, they're going to make sure it's, it's the reason why they overbid for Garrett Cole. It's the reason why they ended up paying 150 more million dollars. They were comfortable with, with judges, they kind of knew that those were the answers. Um, I don't know if they're going to dance with all those variables on the table, but you're right. I think another, uh, it does make sense. A number of other teams that we didn't expect who might've been on maybe the mid tier pitching Options like Aaron Nola, whose price tag is going down by the day because he's not having that great of a year, or um, Charlie Morton, veteran, you know, obviously not going to get a, a huge multi year deal, but someone who could be great in the back end of the rotation. Like maybe those guys get overlooked by the other teams now trying to get in on this bidding war. I don't know. I just hope it doesn't interrupt too much what the Yankees could do, but I can't help but think that'll be the case. Of course. Uh, and worth noting, obviously, uh, while there's still very little left to learn from this season, Aaron Judge, uh, you can retire at least the Aaron Judge will never be the same stuff. Yes. Because, uh, Bye-bye. The last, uh, last two days, he has been the same and more. Uh, clearly, you can blame this year on Dodger Stadium, partially, um, although none of us really wanted to watch just Judge paper over a bad roster all year, then get to the playoffs and the whole team stinks. That We, we just saw that movie. It wasn't very appealing. But the toe, the structural integrity of the toe, whatever. Obviously, he can still do the magical stuff that he's done in the recent past. Garrett Cole hopefully continues to age gracefully as well. Um, And also, you know, worth stating that back in 2019, it was Cole, it was Steven Strasburg. Those were the free agents. The Yankees met with both of them. uh, And and, uh, Steven Strasburg has has retired um, today. So extremely sad, uh, but rare instance where I guess the Yankees probably chose the arm with the longer future to bank on. At that point, Steven Strasburg, World Series hero. Like, you know, if the Yankees wound up with the reigning World Series champion, hero, co-ace of that Nationals rotation, you probably would have had excited fans that went for a big old price tag. Cole eventually topped him, uh, but the Nationals were quick to act, quick to pay an indispensable piece. They were choosing between Strasburg and Anthony Rendon. Turns out those are two whiffs, both bad. You just sometimes you don't know. Um, sometimes you do though. And the Yankees have have made uh, you know we're, we're on Cashman's case because he's made like seven mistakes in a row, not because he chose wrong once. Anyway, yeah. plenty to talk about for the rest of the season. Hopefully, hopefully you'll join us on the stream. We're here every Monday and Thursday. Uh, it'd be nice to see you because obviously we are trying our best to take you through October, take you through the playoffs. Uh, Red Sox and Astros playing a more meaningful series than we are right now. Looks like the Red Sox are going to split that guy. Uh, maybe the funniest possible outcome. Nobody gains. Both these teams that suck. You know, Astros. Uh, Joseph Verlander yells at known cheater Alex Cora. Nobody gets to gloat after this series. All the Red Sox probably feeling a little better about themselves because they wrap with the two wins rather than start with two. Whatever. Either way, even Steven looks like it's on the horizon pending an Astros comeback today. Uh, those teams are playing meaningful baseball, our enemies, and we are not. So it is what it is. Uh, Anthony the Yankees Cole, are now losing. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Really? Two-run homer by Alex Call off Tommy Canley. It is now 4-3. to three. Well, there you go. Tommy Canley, man, absolute disaster. Like, yeah. try to really try to be nice because I like his energy, but the home run to C.J. Abrams the other night, I know his ERA is low. I know his numbers look good, but he is... He is turning into one of those guys that whenever he takes the mound, when you need him to just not do something disastrous, he continues to do something disastrous. Yep. And that was a 400-plus-foot bomb into the left center field bullpen. 
And yeah, now they're going to lose this fucking series. How many uh, two out fucking big backbreakers is to- has uh, Tommy Canley given up? Oh yeah, it's the it's the entire. He, the, the, the literally the second he threw that pitch, he threw his fucking hand in the air. Like it's like the what? Well, this was he comes in with a runner on. There's a runner on second, no outs to start this inning. How like you, we can scream? Yeah, we'll we'll scream about the Yankees before we sign off. Like single home run. It's just how no. many? Uh, you know, it's it's runner on second, nobody outs. Canley's warming up in a three-one game. Brito gets the out. Canley gets a second out. Great. Okay. Cool. Like this is a traumatic, uh, you know, traumatic inning avoided. All you have to do is get one more out. You've already done the hard part. And uh, no hot, hot shot up the middle. Volpe can't handle. Like you said, two run home runs. Somehow you're ahead of me. I had the I had the yeah. single to make it three two, and I didn't have the two run shot. Yep. But very predictable. Two twenty seven uh, hitter, two hundred hair, and that's that's just what the story is this year. And there's kind of there's just no way to avoid it. Um, yeah. I mean, his location is terrible. I don't know how many more of these changeups he's going to throw belt high, and I feel bad because I know he's had a really really lengthy rehab process and. Hasn't been on the mound as much as he had wanted to. Had his 2023 season delayed after seemingly getting back on track last year with the Dodgers. But, man, I wonder what Brian Cashman has to say about that. I don't know. Would you qualify that as a disaster? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, this is going to be a disaster. But we're numb to it at this point. Like, yeah, Yankees lost the lead in the seventh. Sure. Yeah, whatever. I wouldn't even call that 3-1 lead in the seventh with, you know, two outs in the inning. I wouldn't even call that a winnable game. I'd call no. it a home flip. And, no, uh, that's yeah. a that's a butt cheek clencher for the next fucking three innings, and it's not enjoyable. Well, we'll put runners on first and second in the eighth. Oh, order. yeah, don't worry. And don't worry. They will have a chance to win this, and they will not. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for sticking it out with us during that uh, fun little uh, interlude. Uh, yeah, Yankees blow. Uh, they still <laughs> – no, that doesn't – luckily, that doesn't change anything that we said over the course of this. No, we didn't just do an hour on – how beneficial this series win over the Nationals will be. Obviously, it won't be. Um, and they're not going to series win over the Nationals, so who cares? Um, okay. Steven Strat, Revenge of the Steven Strasburg contract. I guess you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Truly, wherever you get your pods. Drop us a five-star review if you feel like it. We hope you do. Uh, if you're not subscribed yet, please subscribe. Love to see you here. Love to see you continue to join the chat. Uh, we're going to be here every Monday, Thursday. And that's another Abrams. Oh, no, is that gone? Yep. C.J. Abrams, Homer. Five or six. Uh, that is five. Yankees rock. C.J. Abrams um, blasted one over the short porch. That's cool. Um, my Twitter handle is at Adam Weiner. I'm not tweeting <laughs> about it. I don't care. Uh, Tom Sternante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes, guys. Thanks so much for showing up. Um, we appreciate it. Um, we love the participation in the chat. Uh, shout out to Corey. He mentioned Kevin Durant tearing his ACL and getting a max contract the same offseason. Um, yeah, I uh, I understand. NBA, uh, you need one guy to change the complexion of your team, um, and it's very different. So uh, good point, but I think a little bit a little bit of um, of a misappropriation there. Um, anyway, guys, you can find us on um, uh, Twitter at Yanks Go Yard FS. We are both there. We're both having fun responding, posting our content. Um, so we hope to see you there and hear from you there. Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Uh, that's where our main content is. You can see our bylines there. Uh, plenty of stuff we got on there ripping the Yankees. I'm sure you will enjoy it. Yankees haters, you will have a field day. Um, and until then, guys, uh, have yourselves a good weekend. Uh, make sure to enjoy these last couple weeks of summer. Don't let the Yankees get to you. We'll talk to you on Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern Live right here. Enjoy the rest of your year, life, 
Don't watch this team. See ya.